the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. With everything happening in the world of sports, there's no better place to follow the most important storylines than The Athletic. Delivering in depth reporting, rich storytelling, thoughtful analysis with an all star newsroom and podcast center. Your download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed every day, all day. They are cranking out so much content. I can't keep up. I'm there every day, all day, and there's plenty of news to get to this morning. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. We are also presented by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you are smarter than an NFL GM? Are you the best at fantasy football? Boy, is it getting harder to play fantasy football right now. Here's your chance to prove it. Uniting the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the NFL front office, you can build a roster of players using actual NFL contracts and salaries. Build a winner, stand under the salary cap, win cash prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Track sent you and you'll get an extra bonus after joining your league. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. Good Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. Hope you had your coffee. Hope you went for your run. There's plenty to get to. I had a whole show planned and then the Jaguars went Jacksonville on us and completed the, uh, completed the offseason puzzle here. Waving running back Leonard Fournette, their number four overall pick back in 2017. Obviously, that's going to be the open here. And uh, I'm going to keep it NFL pretty much foot pedal down as much of this show as I can because we had quite an interesting weekend. And it really wasn't the status quo. You know, we had a, a franchise tagged player in Jacksonville get traded, take a pay cut, but also pull back a pretty good uh, compensation for Jacksonville. So, there's a little bit of mixed emotions on that. I'm going to touch on that. I'm also going to kind of expand on the Yannick Ngakwe situation because if you put that together with Genevieve and Clowney right now, we have a very interesting dichotomy happening with edge rushers. And I'm not sure it's a trend. It could just be the kind of players that are available right now versus the financial situation of some of these teams and also what's coming in 2021. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Let's start with Fournette. Um, boy, we have bashed up running backs for two solid years on this show, on the site, on the Twitter feed at spot track. Uh, I feel bad at this point because I, I, I absolutely love watching a good, a good rushing game. I do. And I still think we're going to see it. Look at this doesn't take away from how important this position is, but man, oh man, when the number four pick who, by the way, had a pretty solid production 2019 season, I understand he's got mileage, he's got baggage, Um, you know, there's some discrepancy in terms of the numbers. We can probably start there. He has a $4.1 million salary in the fourth and final year of his rookie contract here. They, they declined his fifth year option. So that's gone. Um, he was set to be a unrestricted free agent after 2020. Um, and he is 48 hours away from being one right now. We'll see if he passes through waivers. So 4.1 million, that's the base salary. He leaves behind about 4.4 million of dead cap to Jacksonville. The, the base salary is in limbo right now. If you remember, um, he violated team conduct and basically was suspended internally. And then he missed a couple of practices thereafter. I, I don't know if there was some angst, or, uh, but basically those mispractices, the Jaguars are hanging their hat on. That's avoidable guarantee situation. So they have processed the paperwork to avoid those guarantees, meaning this $4.1 million salary for 2020. It's still in litigation. The grievance is still in court. There's arbitrators taking a look at this right now. It couldn't. It couldn't mean more than it does right now because, as it stands right now, 
the the whole eight point eight million and change stays on Jacksonville as dead cap. If the arbitrators, you know, file for Jacksonville, then the four point one million dollar salary will not be paid and comes off the books for Jacksonville. It's probably going to be a twenty twenty one adjustment, um, but we're going to keep up with that. Of course, there's a couple of situations sort of hanging out there right now, but for now, the entire Fournette cap stays on the books and the cash will be owed to Fournette at this point. If he's claimed off waivers, waivers that 4.1 salary and this whole guarantee mess transfers to the new team, um, do I think that happens? Here's why I don't think it happens. Um, they couldn't trade him for a bag of bones. <laughs> they couldn't get a sixth. They couldn't get a seventh. Uh, they couldn't get anything for Fournette in that $4 million. So clearly, everyone in the league thinks that $4.1 million for Leonard Fournette in 2020 is too much money. So I don't imagine he gets claimed off waivers. To me, that's too high. I mean, look at you got guys making one, two million this year that are going to be running back ones for these teams that are going to be viable fantasy options for you out there. There's no question about it. I put Carlos Hyde on a $2.75 million salary with Seattle in maybe a better situation than I do Fournette right now because of what's happening in, in Jacksonville. So in a lot of ways, this is going to be good news for Fournette if you're an owner of him because I do think he lands on a contender. If you're in a salary cap league and you know your, your salaries aren't locked in place, if you can get Fournette on what he might be re-signing for somewhere in the one to two million range, which I have to imagine, because here's the situation. He's going to double dip. As long as he wins the arbitration and that 4.1 million is paid to him, even if he, you know, even if he passes through waivers, if Jacksonville has to pay that 4.1 million, there are no offsets, which means he'll make that and he'll make whatever he can get somewhere else. So teams know this. Teams know this. So you know you're going to sign him to a to a Cam Newton esque near minimum contract with with probably a ton of stat incentives, maybe some win incentives. But if you're Fournette, you pick a contender. I think the Bears are, are a fringe you know division contender. With the Montgomery injury, they're probably in need. I wouldn't put the Jets in contention, but they they have a running back need in my opinion. We know the Dolphins have been active with running backs lately. But look, here are the teams. I, I think the Chiefs could probably use a ground and pound guy. Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna use Edward Solaire for a lot of their offensive weapons. But if you can keep him away from first and second down and away from the goal line situations, you probably do that. You want to protect his his baggage over the next four or five seasons on his rookie contract. So you bring in a guy in like Fournette who isn't a true RB1 right now. He's just not. He's not catching the ball much out of the backfield, although that's improved. But like I said, he's just got so much wear and tear on that tread. Uh, you know, he's a complimentary player at this point anyway. So you can understand Jacksonville punting on, on a $4 million salary for a player with the knowledge of that kind of situation ahead of them. I get it. Um, I don't think he gets claimed. I think being the inability to trade him for any kind of late pick basically puts a, a, a thorn in the coffin of, you know, the trade situation. So we'll see. But if it happens, look at, and the last team is obviously the Patriots. Belichick loves these kind of situations, kind of a castaway, someone who is clearly overpaid, but does have impact left. Uh, that's, you know, he's got a Burkhead and James White and Sony Michelle in that roster. Yes. But you could get out of some of those situations if you had to. They are cap friendly now because of opt outs, unfortunately. I mean, they had six legitimate opt outs that punted a lot of this cap situation down to 21 22. So when they were in cap trouble at the point of signing Cam Newton, they no longer are. I mean, they're in, they're in pretty decent shape here. Um, 
they restructured Rex Burkhead. They gave him a, you know, a $1.5 million signing bonus. You probably punt on that if you have to. Would you trade Rex Burkhead for Leonard Fournette right now? I think I would. <laughs> I think I would, especially knowing you've got Michelle and James White also in your arsenal. And, you know, your, your wide receivers tight end situation isn't great. So, I mean, they're focusing more on the running game this year anyway, in my opinion. I, I think that's maybe a trade-off you make, although I don't know that Fournette brings the right personality to that to that locker room but who knows i mean uh, belichick has brought so many different kinds of uh, uh, of characters into that room who knows at this point but you can't you have to put the patriots on the list you have to and they're a contender they're a contender in the afc east or, until they're not so if if Fournette can make them better and he clears waivers and belichick can put one of his per game active bonus incentive laden contracts together uh, you know Fournette's going to have to listen to that for sure so they're certainly on the short list but that's my thinking on Fournette. He, he, I put out a, you know, a, a, a tweet storm this morning on really since yesterday on Jacksonville, um, starting with the Ngakwe move and just re- really where that organization has been over the past 10, 12 years in terms of these first round picks. That weird year in 2017 where they got they got to the AFC Championship game and darn near took down the Patriots. Would have been a Super Bowl team with Blake Bortles, who they de- then gave an extension to. There were so many little little intricacies that. <laughs> that maybe turn them, you know, it was one step forward, then three steps back. That's really what it's been for 10 years in Jacksonville, unfortunately. But when you just look at the nuts and bolts of that 2017 draft, when they took Fournette number four overall, the names that came up past him, McCaffrey at eight, Mahomes at 10, and Watson at 12. And you had just finished year three of Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles had completed 58% of his passes. Uh, His passer rating was 84 and change. I mean, it was not, you know, trending upward for Blake Bortles. If anything, it was, all right, this is another bust. But they didn't. They, they fell in love with their players. They, they did too much of this, honestly. They waited too long, especially that position. They were a team that was not prepared to move on at that position when other teams were doing it. This is when Josh Rosen, you know, this is when in the era of when Arizona said, we're done after a year. Uh, if the Jaguars could have been the first to do that and say, we're done with Blake Bortles. I don't care if he's cheap. We're getting out of this right now, at least from a draft perspective. They had the number four pick. Outside of Trubisky, who went number two, which for the, you know, for them, thank God. But they had their pick of Watson or Mahomes. Now, Watson was probably the higher value player coming into that draft. With Clemson, I mean, everything was kind of set up nicely for them to do that. Even if they needed to wait a year on him, and let Bortles flame out in twenty in twenty eighteen if they had to. Um, just tough to see. That's tough to see. But look, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm not going to crush them specifically for that too much. But the ten year resume is bad. If you've seen the tweets I put out there about their first round picks, <laughs> they don't have one since twenty seventeen. Now with the with the wave waiver of, of Fournette, it's Fournette, Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, Blake Bortles, Luke Jekyll. Blackman, Blaine Gabbert, Tyson Alulu, Eugene Monroe, Derek Harvey. Okay, that's going back to 2008. Those are the first round picks. None of them are on the team. None of them. Boros is out of the league. Fowler's in the Falcons. Ramsey's in the Rams. Fournette's TBD. You know, Gabbert's a backup in Tampa. It's just a lot of bad news. A lot of swings and misses. Some solid players, some good skill players there. But you can't miss on two quarterbacks like that. Can't do it in a five-year period. That's just too detrimental to your long-term, to any kind of impactful 
franchise to get their feet off the ground. It just didn't happen. You know, they, they, they missed on Nick Foles. Unfortunately, he's out the door. You know, when you just eye in the quarterback position, Fournette's just kind of like, uh, you know, an accessory at this point. This was the right move, actually, for getting moving on from that. Some say this should have happened last year, uh, but the dead cap was too backwards to make that happen. Really, the suspension that they're hanging their hat on that they can void the guarantee flipped the switch, flipped the conversation for Fournette. And uh, it made this kind of a situation doable for Jacksonville from a, a dead cap standpoint. Because you don't want to you want to you don't want to get yourself in a position where you're loading up 2021 dead cap. You just don't. So they're going to take it on this year, whether that's the full eight and change or or 4.4 million from that signing bonus. But you you know you want to take it on right now if that's what Jacksonville's doing, and clearly they are because they have freed up over 76 million dollars of cap space this off season alone with trades, with releases, with opt-outs. You know, they're setting themselves up for the Trevor Lawrence conversation. They're setting themselves up for being able to take on contracts next March when teams will have to offload. Look, there's some teams, contending teams, that are not going to be able to handle a 20 to $25 million cap drop next year if that's really what happens to the NFL. So there will be teams like this sitting there waiting. Oh, by the way, the Patriots are one of them too, sitting there waiting for baggage for over for surplus for players that cost too much that can certainly come in and start for a Jacksonville team that the teams will have to play them. So you want to acquire draft assets right now. You want to be able to, you want to have trade money. You want to have trade capital right now, because if you've got cap space leading into March, 2021, you can get better, whether it's through the 2021 draft, or like I said, sitting there waiting to poach. Um, it's very doable. This could be a quick turnaround for, for that front office. And now we've said that before because they've gone down to the bottom a few times here in the past decade, but this is a unique, uh, really a unique situation. And I'm not going to crush them for this for net move. To me, this is the right move. Um, you know, I said at the, at the open here, I wasn't going to kill the running backs too much because I've done it so much already. But this is just exhibit A, B, and C of where the running back situation is. This is it. I mean, this is the number four overall pick four years ago. And he's out. And he's going to pass through waivers. That's how little $4 million means to a running back right now. Truly. Okay. This is still a rookie contract. This is not an extension. This is not the Todd Gurley situation where, you know, injury and, and high price just forced the Rams hand. This is still the rookie contract. And this is a one year deal. This is one year, 4.1 million. He'll be a restricted free agent next year. Excuse me, unrestricted free agent next year. So if he clears waivers, it's just it's just icing on the cake that the running backs are completely devalued. You can't take him top 10. Can't do it. Now, I understand McCaffrey has worked out as the number eight pick, and he's been paid handsomely because of it. But that's, that's not something you set your trends to. That is something that's an anomaly. You know, that's your Mike Trout situation. That's your Patrick Mahomes situation. You, you kind of just put that in its own room and let it breathe over here. Everything else. Look, I, and I'm putting I'm putting Saquon Barkley in the Fournette situation right now. Number two overall, he has not been game changing for the Giants. He's been solid. He's been great. He can have dynamic moments. He will help a young Daniel Jones in any in, in the offense. There's no question about it. But you don't put that on your roster if you don't have the quarterback. If you don't have the defense, the Giants did this backwards in my opinion. So I'm putting Barkley in this conversation, uh, and they're going to try to pay him. They're going to give him. McCaffrey money probably next offseason 
because there's a lot of pride with the number two pick. And that's where I'm giving Jacksonville credit right here. Stop falling in love with players. Stop falling in love with draft picks. Stop saying, you know, we got to give this guy because he's cheap. We've got to make, we've got to keep him on the books because it's just better for our, our overall situation. No. And especially with quarterbacks, especially with quarterbacks, if they aren't working, you got to move on. Got to do it. Got to do it. Arizona got better in four months. Immediately better. Kyler Murray is a, an MVP candidate right now because they decided Josh Rosen wasn't the guy immediately, immediately. And uh, it's the right move right now. Dead cap's not hurting teams anymore. Take it on, move on, get through it. And if you're Jacksonville, take it all on now. Because like I said, you want to have ammo in 2021 and they do. They do. So like I said, it's a unique situation. You can go and poach next March if you have to with trades, with cap casualties that'll be sitting there on the free agent street. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased with the moves they're making right now. Look, some of these moves were no brainers. Okay. Letting Dante Fowler walk for a decent, a decent payday to Atlanta. That one's questionable. You know, knowing you were going to lose in Gawkway and you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute here. Maybe you keep a player like that on your roster. Now he wanted out for sure. Um, and so you sent him to the Rams, but Again, I'm not going to knock it for, for loading up on draft ammo because I think they, the end goal is Trevor Lawrence and veteran players off other rosters. That's the move. And if that's the move, that's the right way to do it. They have a halfway decent offensive line. It's not good. It's below average, but it's not terrible either. So what we have to look at now is quarterback first. Now we go. Now we go. We, we can plug and play at the running back situation. Michael Armstead, I think he'll be fine. But what we want to do here is wait this out. We want to give them till next March to see how this works. Let's not kill them. I've killed them on Twitter passive aggressively. Um, but I want to say it on, on air here that I think it's a right move. I think it's the right move. Okay, let's move on to Ngakwe because this was a big, big, uh, you know, it was, it's a long time coming. And what we want to look at here is first what they got back. So they get a, they get a second round pick next year. That's fine. I, I don't think it was ever going to be a first. I know that's what they were waiting out on. And no one really came forward with that. Here's and then there's a there's a conditional fifth in 2022, which can get down to a third if he makes the pro Bowl and wins the Super Bowl in Minnesota. Not likely. But if he makes the pro Bowl, it's a fourth. So there you go. That's that's a decent you know, 2022 pick right there. It's not too bad. Um, so from a trade competition, I think it's fine. No problems there. I was worried that it was going to be that. And Jacksonville has to pay five, six million of that franchise tag just to get him out the door. That's where I thought it was going because of the timing. Generally speaking, when things take this long and we're looking at, we're sitting here on August 31st. I mean, we are 10 days from football. Generally, when that happens, there has to be a big give to get some take. Um, didn't happen. And I confirmed that with Adam Schefter yesterday that, you know, Jacksonville's not paying a dollar. And in fact, not only is Jacksonville not paying, we saw what happened with Minnesota. Minnesota was able to restructure that $17.8 million tag down to 12 million. I haven't yet confirmed if there's some incentives to be able to build that back up. I would imagine there are. I can't imagine taking a $6 million pay cut. Now, Minnesota needed it. They had $12.2 million of cap space leading into yesterday. So they needed it. And they're going to they're gonna have to make a move today, in my opinion, whether that's a, 
uh, a rife restructure or something like that to just to get themselves basically some breathing room. But they made it work. And look, that's the Patriots move, right? You, you leverage cap space to make sure your contracts stay cost controlled. They couldn't afford Ngakwe at $18 million. They couldn't do it. They literally didn't have it on their books right there. They would have had to make some kind of ancillary move just to make him fit. They could make 12 work. So as part of the trade, it was, we'll give you the second, we'll give you the conditional fifth, but we're also not going to take on 18. We're going to restructure this thing as part of the trade process down to a, a price that we can afford right now that's comfortable for us as contenders in the NFC. That's all you have to say. And the agent and the player are going to be on board with that. It happened. Here's the crazy part. And I know it's been out there, so I'm just restating this. There is not a no tag clause in 2021, which means he can play out the 12 million and then be tagged next year in Minnesota as their, you know, 1A edge rusher to go with Daniel Hunter, who is a heck of a player and is underpaid in his own right. So it's that's baffling to me. The same thing happened with Cam Newton in New England. New England has the right to tag him next year. I don't imagine. Look, I don't imagine that the franchise tag is coming for either of these players next year. And here's why. I'm going to move on to this. Jadavion Clowney's sitting out there. He's just flat out sitting out there. Now, he's not the edge rusher in terms of sack production that Ngakwe is. Ngakwe gets to the quarterback. It's his one job. He does it well. Um, and he's being paid $12 million to do it. I've said it a bunch of times in this show and on plenty of other shows as well. I think $12 million is probably right for Clowney as well. Wherever he signs, I think that's probably right. Now, at this point, it could be down to nine. <laughs> okay, it could be nine, which is basically what he made from Seattle last year because Houston took half of that franchise tag on after they traded him. I, I'm a little baffled by this because generally speaking, these edge rushers are the first to go. This Ngakwe trade would have happened March 14th. Clowney would have been, would have been signed preceding free agency. He, he would have had a destination. There would have been three or four teams in on him, and that would have been how it works. Um, it obviously didn't happen. And whether it's the health of Clowney, whether it's his inability to dominate from a pass rush per perspective where he's more of a, an inside outside player. Um, I just think that there, there will be a time where somebody will take him on right now, but maybe it's after week one, you know, maybe we're, we're, we're at a situation where they don't want to guarantee his veteran salary right now. They want to be able to work him on a prorated basis. That's crazy, crazy, but this is definitely a, it's unique. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to say it's a trend. I'm going to say this is a unique situation where you had, I mean, Ngakwe has been available forever. The, that's why I said there's no first round pick coming in this. Everybody's known it for 18 to 20 months that Ngakwe was going to be out there. He was not going to play football for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020. He said it, his agent said it, it's out there. That just destroys your trade value. It, it just kills it. So, you know, the compensation they got is good having known that the leverage was gone. But if that's a situation and teams still didn't come through, you tell me there wasn't a second round and a conditional fifth sitting there in March and Jacksonville was just waiting for something better. To me, that's, that's bad on Jacksonville. Uh, get this done. Get it out of your situation so that you have bluer skies in terms of your cap and cash situation You know, heading into the summer. You just don't see first round picks move in August 31st. It doesn't happen. Now, We'll see, but um, so that's a miss for Jacksonville, in my opinion. Get this done. Get it out of there. 
what's happening with the edge rushers? You know, did Khalil Mack break the edge rusher trademark? I don't know. I don't know that Chicago Bears and what they gave up to to the Raiders at that point think that they got the better part of that deal. Maybe not even close. I mean, they gave up quite a bit of draft capital to bring in an elite edge rusher. But is that enough anymore? Because the passing game has become so prolific and quick passing, right? The downfield passing, it's there, of course. People, I mean, teams are still taking their shots, but, you know, your Mahomes and, and your Watsons and your Lamar Jackson, certainly, the, you know, this next kind of wave, these guys are not trying to gun the ball down the field 12, 15 plays a game. It, they're not. They are moving out of the pocket. They are looking for eight, nine, 10 yard pass plays. That's somewhat what Tom Brady has done, more of a pocket passer, but that's sort of the game that Brady and Peyton Manning brought. Um, and it's been evolved into a more athletic position now, of course, but I just don't, I don't know. I mean, we're not, we're not going to see the sack numbers that we've seen in this kind of style of offense because the ball's getting out quicker. Offensive lines are basically, you know, just holding the fort down now. It's not about a 1v1 from a left tackle to an edge rusher most games. It's just a different style of play. It's a fluid, more mobile, more active, more athletic style of play. To me, though, that fits Clowney better. That, that's exactly why Jadavian Clowney should be heavily wanted right now. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can cover. He can move into an in- inside linebacker role if he needs to. I, I, uh, I think the versatility on him cl- outweighs the red flags of injuries uh, and maybe a lack of effort in practice. You know, some things we've heard before. I, I think the guy fits the current game very well, even if his numbers have changed because of the current game. Uh, so to me, if you're Tennessee and that price has dropped to nine million, you you do this right now. If you now know that Ngakwe is worth twelve million dollars to the Minnesota Vikings, and you can say it's because of their financial situation, fine. Tennessee, you're in the same boat. You're in the same boat. Make it work. Walk up to Jadavian Clowney today and say, okay, we want you. We think we we love the player you are, and we're we feel terrible that you're still sitting out there on the street right now. This is what we can do for you for 2020. Let's get it done. Let's go win a Super Bowl together. You get that done. And if you got to pop, you know, add some incentives into bring it up to 13, 14 million, you do that. You do that. You give him a, a Ryan Tannehill like incentive laden situation that includes playoffs and Super Bowl and all that stuff. But you get him in the door right now if I'm, if I'm Tennessee because I think it's a great fit. I think he wants to go there. Um, I'd probably say the same about the Browns, but there's, to me, there's a little bit less need for the Browns in Clowney. I know, the, I know they were in on Ngakwe, and I understand that because Ngakwe can get to the quarterback. And you have that in Miles Garrett, and that is da- damaging to a, a Roethlisberger situation. But Clowney in the Browns, to me, that's better for Lamar Jackson. That's You want the versatility. You want the inside out. You want to move guys around a little bit. So I'm, I'm confused as to why. I mean, Clowney must still be asking for $17 million. Is the only viable option I can see as to why he's not on a team right now. He wants the $17 million. He wants it guaranteed, and that's pretty much it. To me, a multi-year deal is out of the question at this point. And the only reason you do it from a team perspective is to move the cap around. But I wouldn't do that either. I would keep as much cap out of 2021 as possible right now. I think the right way to do it is to give everybody the one-year prove-it deals at this point. Logan Ryan, same situation. Keep it in 2020 right now as much as possible. And uh, we'll see where that ends up. But those two players, uh, the dynamic of the edge rusher this offseason has been so... 
not that it's baffling, it's confusing. Because, uh, like, like I said, in, in a normal setting, Jacksonville's offloading Ngakwe immediately, and I think Clowney has three, four options March 13th in any normal setting. Not the case. And I, I wonder if it's this conversation. I wonder if teams are sitting here saying, okay, that player is still valuable, but it's not as valuable to the current style of game or to the current quarterback situation we have in the league right now. Um, I'd be really interested to see if there's any analytics out there that kind of back this up, that the mobile quarterback has taken the edge rusher back a bit, just a bit. I'm not saying they're not important, all right? I mean, Shaq Barrett, he's underpaid on that franchise tag. He's, I mean, that's your sack leader and a player who has shown that he, can, he has rounded back into form. I think he knows he's on the right team uh, in a great situation in Tampa Bay, so he's not really putting up too much of a fight. He's happy with a $17, $18 million salary for this year coming off a $7 million pr- prove-it deal. So uh, he knows he'll have his leverage next year. That's a player that Tampa Bay is going to want to afford next year, in my opinion, because I think he's for real. But my, my final thought here is with the Vikings. Kudos to them. I mean, this is... You, you, get, out, you get Everson Griffin out the door. You were going to release him anyway because that, you know the contract was just too much going forward. You had to get a couple of people done. You, you restructure extend Kirk Cousins, which, you know, that, that caused some grumbles across the Twitter, Twitterverse, but I get it. Uh, they're happy with their quarterback play. Yes, it could be better. Yes, it could be a lot worse, but you keep that intact. Now, I know I just spent 10 minutes saying don't fall in love with your quarterback. I, I just think Cousins is good enough. I really do. He's not going to carry a team on his shoulders, but he's good enough, so I understand that move to, to free up some cap space. Everson Griffin goes, by the way, add this to the edge rusher situation. Everson Griffin goes to $3 million guaranteed with $3 million of per-game active bonuses to the Dallas Cowboys, to a contending team. $6 million for Everson Griffin. He was set to make $13 million this year in terms of cap with Minnesota. They now turn Everson Griffin and his $13 million plus into Ngakwe on $12 million. So I give them all the credit in the world. And is giving up a second-round pick in 2021 dangerous? No. I've said it before. This is going to be a terribly difficult draft, especially there, especially in the late second round when you just haven't had a chance with no college football to see those players who were third, fourth round grades that snuck up into the top 50 picks. You're not going to be able to get, the, get a look at those players this year. You're just not. You're going to be looking at old tape. You're going to be looking at tape that was bounced around a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do there. So... I think giving up a second for a player like that at that price is a no-brainer for Minnesota. So kudos to them. Uh, And speaking of running backs, we've talked about it before. I'm not going to get to it here too much. But the Dalvin Cook situation is now on high alert. It's on high alert. I know I've said that there's absolutely no reason for Dalvin Cook to hold out. He's going to get fined heavily. um, And that's a good team with him, a really good team with him. I mean, a legitimate NFC contender with him. I, I think he has to hold out. I think he has to do it. I, I don't know what choice he has unless he has heard that the plan is play it out and we're going to tag you next year. If that's the plan, play football. Because honestly, the franchise tag for these running, these running backs who are heading towards free agency is going to be the best option, financially speaking. It's just going to be. It's going to be three years worth of pay. If you think you're going out, out in the free agency, if you're Aaron Jones and getting more than $4 million a year, I think you're wrong. I just, I flat out think you're wrong with, with the amount of, supp- of the supply that's going to be available. 
um, you know, a healthy Marlon Mack will be hitting the, the, the there's just going to be so much. There's going to be so many options out there. Chris Carson. So if you think you're getting anywhere near 10 to 12 million a year on average, and you're not Delvin Cook or you're not Elvin Kamara, I think you're wrong. So if your team is offering a franchise tag in 2021, you have to take it. That That's the goal. That's the ear. That, that's the news I'd be trying to get out of my current team is what is your plan for us next year? Because uh, if I'm Delvin Cook and the plan is to let me walk next year, I'm saying trade me now or I'm holding out because they're a good team. They're a great team with Delvin Cook, a great team. Kirk Cousins needs Delvin Cook. No question about it. And it's going to cost him a lot of money in fines and it's going to cost him a lot of bad press. <laughs> okay, people are not going to like it. But what else do they have? What else? Look, you can't have a bad team running back hold out. Can't do it. Josh Jacobs can't hold out, you know, next year when he's three years old. He can't do that. But, you know, Matt Breida can't hold out in Miami. Can't do it. Doesn't mean anything. It's just that's just selfishness at that point. But Delvin Cook can hold out and he can hold out for running backs. He can hold out and say, you've paid every single other person on this roster. And that's just a fact they have outside of Anthony Harris, who's sitting on the safety franchise tag. They've paid everybody else. They don't have to pay Delvin Cook, but this is his only chance right now to, to, to ruffle some feathers and make a little noise. Heading into week one, just walk away. Just say, you're going to have to go with Madison for week one. I, I'm not coming here until we have a, a serious negotiation about Derrick Henry's contract for me. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because I think his future financial future and every every running back's financial future is in serious jeopardy right now because four or five years of running and you've got too many miles to justify the contract if you can't catch 75 passes you are not even going to be considerate in consideration for 10 million plus that's where we're going if you're not going to be a part of that passing game we just mentioned you are not even a conversation piece for a long-term extension you i mean three four million a year for sure for sure. You want to get a Mark Ingram contract? You want a Latavius Murray contract? Let's talk. But the Le'Veon Bell contracts, it, unless you have his kind of resume where you are the top pass catcher on your team, you know, McCaffrey, top pass catcher on your team, and you are an integral part of three downs, you're not even going to get to the negotiating table right now for 10 million plus. So if I'm Cook, I'm saying, you're, let's talk Derrick Henry's deal because obviously it should be a step above. Devin Cook catches the football. Derrick Henry doesn't. <laughs> so I understand Derrick Henry has a legitimate role with that Tennessee offense, but that's unique. That ground and pound is unique. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't running the ground and pound. He wants to throw the ball. He wants 4,000 yards. That's just how he operates. And there's a couple of rookie wide receivers out there who are going to get some balls. But that's my final thought, I think, with Delvin Cook. Heading, you know, 10 days left here before week one. It's a, it's a bad business move for Delvin Cook short term. But I think that's the right move. I think it is the right move to say I'm going to walk away. Legitimately, I'm going to walk away until we have a real conversation about getting me done. I just want to be secured for the next two years, just like Henry. Just give me two years security on this team. I like where we're at, and you're better with me. That's it. And if, But look, if the franchise tag's part of this conversation, go play football because I think that's okay too. I think that works. Today's episode is also sponsored by Hit Parade, the premier authentic autograph sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. If you don't know about these mystery boxes, this is a ton of fun. It's a little bit of cash at a chance at ridiculously good autograph memorabilia. 
I mean, we are talking Michael Jordan, Tom Brady stuff, Zion Williamson, the rookie, all the rookies out there, the Jason Tatum's. I keep seeing, look, follow these guys on Instagram, HB Collect, Hip Parade on Instagram. Uh, you know, they're posting every day. There's posts from people who are opening these boxes and finding unbelievable autographs. And it's just, you know, it's $100, $150 at a chance for these boxes. And they're just sealed boxes. You, you pop them open. There might be a Michael Jordan jersey in there. But, I mean, that's really what's happening for the for a lot of these people out there right now. So get your box. Do it. Hit Parade's exclusive online provider. It's online, by the way. DACardworld.com. DACardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. Joined on the Hit Parade hotline by Cousin Dan. Dan, I said I'd bring you back for the trade deadline. If there was anything to talk about, it's pretty good, right? I mean, this is a little bit better than I think either of us saw was coming. Uh, and you're a, you're an Indians guy. You're a tribe guy. So I got to start with the question. Why is Clevenger on the block? Is it is it as obvious as it sounds? And where is he going? Good question. Um, well, I think there's a number of reasons. Yeah, he might be let, let me put this let, let me put this in front of you because you and I talked about this before the season, actually. So I want I want to get that out there that there was at least some rumblings in Cleveland that he was on the block then, right? Because of the long term, maybe the long term inability for him to stay healthy with that arm motion and also having to pay him eventually, right? Is that part of this? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, to start with, he was a bit of a late bloomer with his career. I mean, I believe he's 29 years old right now and in, in sort of a, a new name in baseball. So it's not like he's a 24, 25 year old, um, you know, going through this. So he's got kind of a wonky delivery, which, you know, <laughs> makes me think there might be some, you know, injury concerns there long term to the point where you might not want to pay him a next contract. So and this is sort of the sweet spot where the Indians look to, um, you know, get out from under a player. Not I don't even want to like hint at the, um, you know, potential clubhouse stuff that ha- that's happened recently. I, I, I thought before the season he, um, you know, if they were going to move on from a pitcher, um, really not even move on. That's probably the wrong terminology, just trading from an area of strength to, to acquire something for, for their obvious weaknesses on offense. So um, yeah, but the money factor, I, 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 he, he has two years of control left after this year, which I think is um, very appealing to a team. And we've seen that when, when, when you get, kind of get lower than a year and a half um, left on a contract, the value goes down significantly. So this would probably be the prime time to get. You don't, to, you don't think this court. has anything to do with that, the, the rift he may have caused? Because there's no question he caused he caused some issues inside that locker room, correct? Yeah, I don't really want to speculate on that, but I, I think it could definitely be on the table. I mean, it, you know, again, not to speculate too much, but him and Trevor Bauer were extremely close with each other. A little bit of... Um, you know, different personalities that, you know, they kind of do their own thing and good for them. But once Bauer left, it made me think Clevenger might be more expendable on that front. Um, and I, I, again, I don't want to speculate on any of that, but it just seems like uh, the timing, you know, the Indians are known for being pretty strict with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, they, he, he dropped the ball. He took, um, you know, he took his punishment and, and admitted wrongdoing and, you know, I want to. I don't think the Indians are dying to get rid of him by any means. I just think they need. To, they really need to make a move. And you know, look at the rest of the guys. You could trade those ones, but I don't know. I, based on all my prior points, I, I think the writing was on the wall even before this year that he he would be entertained, you know, in trade offers. So. Oh, all right. So the first team that popped up was the White Sox. I get it. You know, they need it, and also they've got. <laughs> 
one of the youngest crop of good players in the entire league. So of course, Cleveland's going to listen, but that's in our division. Does that matter to you? If you're the GM of the Indians right now, are you really playing ball with the White Sox or is this just leverage to get that offer as high as possible for the eventual actual team? Personally, I don't think you should be scared of trading within the division. I think that's overblown a lot of times. Um, you know, if the trade is good for both both sides, um, you know, if the Indians are getting what they need in return, you know, in value, and the White Sox are the team offering the most value, I, I really don't have a. Re- I mean, I know it scares a lot of people. I really don't place a lot in that right now, but um, I, I understand the point. It's valid. So. Um, Back to that point on the White Sox, it, it was it was initially reported that it, it would be for like Michael Kepsch might be mm-hmm. in the return and Adam Engel. And I saw a lot of people freaking out that that would be the return. And I and and I agree with the initial reaction. But at the same time, I don't think that would be the entire return. I, I, I just think those were two players that would be included in a package coming back where everyone else said, you know, Adam Engel not great. Michael Kepsch, you know, injury concerns, but tons of talent regardless. I, I, it would be for more than that. That's, that's my two cents on that. But yeah, I don't really have a um, issue if they, if they struck a good deal with the White Sox, they have a ton of young talent and um, I, I think the Indians would milk it for, for every bit it was worth. So yeah, there's a little bit of a, of a constraint this year because of the rule that the player has to be on the 60 man pool in order to make that trade possible. It can't just be a first round pick from 2020, for instance, uh, you know, or a, or a future or something like that. Uh, so there's a bit of a constraint with going and poaching, you, you know, low down under known prospects out of teams. It's going to be some names that move, which is, it's interesting. I actually kind of like the rule. I kind of like the whole thing about this 60 man roster, by the way, it's been really kind of neat to have an, an active, knowledgeable 30 man kind of minor league system. I, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, when there's three levels of minor leagues, I know someone like you kind of keeps up on it all, but having a smaller pool to look at that's active, that's moving, moving up and down constantly. It's been kind of nice. It's kind of a, it's a little bit like the NHL where, where that, uh, that farm team is kind of really attached at the hip to their, their NHL team. And you kind of know a lot of the names back and forth, but I I know that's not going to be here for, for long. So I'm just kind of speaking out of turn, but all right. Let's just say it doesn't happen to the White Sox because I think they're last on the list right now. I think there are two teams that legitimately are in on Clevenger. And by the way, I know it's it's a player that's close to you, but is he by far the best player that's going to move today? Or do you think a player like uh, Joey Gallo actually gets out the door? Um, I, I think he'd be the best pitcher to move, especially I, I, let me, let me add a pitcher with term left on the contract. Um, I, I mean like Lance Lynn can yep. move, other guys can move, but you know, those are more rentals for a, um, you know, win it now team. So yeah, Clevenger's got two more years of arbitration left. So he is very nicely cost control. Lance Lynn does have an option next year. I, I think Lynn to the Padres is pretty much a done deal. That's just my guess, but it sounds like that's where it's trending. The, the, the Padres are going to get a pitcher. I don't think they're going to swing big for Clevenger. The team I think is is going to bag Clevenger is going to be the Braves, Dan. Um, they've made their moves in the bullpen. They did bring a starter in yesterday in Tommy Malone, I guess kind of like a long starter, but um, they need a splash. They've sent two of their kids down to the minors <laughs> pretty much you know, without any questions. They just did it. They, they want to be good right now. They are good right now. They were good last year. A, a person like Clevenger can really put them over the top now these last 20 games or so. 
Is that a good enough prospect pool for you or, or possibly, you know, actual major league baseball starters coming back? Is that the team you want to play ball with right now? I think there's a lot there with the Braves organization that I, I I would be fine if they struck a deal. I, I I love that team, but I'm a little hesitant to think that Clevenger is what puts them over the top specifically this year. Really? uh, Mostly because of the existing pitching injuries that they have now. I mean, their, their starting rotation is pretty thin right now. So I like, I love Clevenger. I think he's a great pitcher. I think adding him would be great for the next two years going forward. But this year, I'm not really sure the Braves are are primed to make a go for it. But to to your point, I, I think they have a ton in their farm system that they that would easily be one of the um, top organizations I would want to see match up. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, having Clevenger under term for the next two years makes sense. Then, if you think that they're maybe a year away anyway, but. Yeah, I mean, Johan Camargo, I know the Indians need a third baseman. That, that's got to be on the list. He's barely getting playing time in Atlanta right now. So I, they've, they've got the talent. There's no question about it. So to me, that's the team. That's the team I'm identifying. But you, you mentioned Bauer. If you throw him on that Reds team right now, Dan, that Reds team's a game and a half out. They can play ball, and they do have prospects. They have been down at the bottom securing really high draft picks for the last four or five years. That's got to be an option here, right? Even if a late sleeper comes in. Yeah, I mean, good point. Because honestly, their offense has been probably one of the more disappointing offenses in in baseball with the moves, considering the moves they made. But somehow they're still in it, probably because of the expanded playoffs. But um, yeah, I I mean that they would that starting rotation would play anywhere in my opinion if you add Clevenger there. Yeah. I, I will know. I will know to your uh, your previous point on the Padres. I, I am more of the belief that they would try if they're they have a ton they have a loaded farm system Mm -hmm. if they're gonna if they're really gonna pick from that i'm of the opinion that they would want a pitcher coming back with some term and that's the only reason i'm a little hesitant on lance lane but i know a lot of signs are pointing there so um i don't really have a lot of ground to stand on there but um i I just wanted to add that that team seems like they are i mean dilson lamette Chris Paddock, they have you know, Trevor Richards, yeah. but but I, I think if you add in Clevenger there for the next, and you can bank on that the next two years and, you know, they give up some nice prospects in return. I, I kind of like that fit a lot. I know it's been rumored there. We're not like breaking any news, but um, yeah, I, I kind of like that a little more, more than Lance Lynn, but Lance Lynn is also phenomenal. It's just that he, you know, he's a rental. So, okay. A couple more teams here. I'm not going to go too long on this. The Blue Jays are 18 and 14. They're playing ball right here in my hometown, Buffalo. Uh, It's been definitely better than expected, although I think you and I had good hopes for this team, high hopes for this team. It's just maybe maybe a year or two away in terms of it all coming together. Uh, Do you believe in them? They're they're buying, by the way. I mean, they are in on two, three legitimate starters right now. Uh, Are they getting a player or two today? And can they get themselves into this postseason right now? I think yes and yes. I, wow. I like the team a lot. I think, um, I, I mean, they, they need another starting pitcher in my opinion. I mean, they're kind they have decent depth there, but not a lot of top end talent. So if they can get a, a top end pitcher, in my opinion, I mean, they have had a bunch of injuries and, and things like that, but, um, yeah, I think that this team is maybe a year ahead of where people thought they were, but if you, if a lot of prospect circles, you know, People have been talking about the Blue Jays for a little while now. So, okay, and I got to stay in that division here. The Yankees are sliding. I mean, they're injured. What else is new? <laughs> you know, Stanton and Judge on the IL. It's 
it's all bad. Severino's done. I mean, this team could be so great, truly great. I mean, the best team in the American League, I think, without even a question mark, but they're not, and they're sliding back towards the Blue Jays more and more every day. I'm ignoring the doubleheader sweep of the Mets yesterday, by the way. The are they selling? Are they buying? Are they staying pat? Are they going to fall out of favor here? What What is up with this Yankees team? Well, I, I feel like if they're buying, they're buying a pitcher. I mean, they, they yeah, they're ho- they're hoping some of those injuries get corrected and are chronic year to year. So I, I don't know if they're going to make a strong play for that lineup, which when everyone's healthy is probably one of the top two in baseball. So I would assume that they're in the market for a pitcher regardless of, um, you know, length or term. So, but um, yeah, I I really don't have a feel on what they're going to do, but just out of his, you know, their history of doing things at the deadline, I I would assume they're going to be in. Is it a big swing? Is it a Robbie Ray Ray type player finally? Well, I mean, I I don't know. Is Robbie Ray a big swing? (laughs) Yeah, most years, not right now. You're right, but uh, yeah, that no, could e- that could even beg more for a change of scenery. So, uh, yeah, and I've heard of sw- teams targeting him as a switch to a bullpen because I mean he's mm-hmm. striking out guys, but he's also walking the entire entire lineup. So, okay, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to what what to make of the Yankees, but I, I just feel like Cashman's always in on things, even if it's a lesser secondary type move. I feel like he's going to do something, but um, yeah, the pitching, the starting pitching specifically needs to be addressed. That bullpen is still killer, but um, and then besides that, the offense just needs to get healthy, in my opinion. So yeah, starting pitching. Okay, so you're you're not super bullish on the Yankees. You think they can probably turn this around? Well, I, yeah, I think. Again, it's all health contingent, so I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna you know write a write a check that they're they're gonna come back or anything. But um, I mean, I just don't want to count them out. That offense, yeah, scary. Agreed. Even a little bit healthier, and they can beat anybody in that American League. Uh, speaking of which, the Dodgers are 26 and 10. That surprises absolutely nobody. They've got the highest payroll in the league right now, and that matters. Right now, that matters this time of year. Generally speaking, teams that are spending high try to find a way to percolate down a little bit. They want to get rid of a little bit of that luxury tax bill if possible. We, they almost did it before the year, right? Really right before the COVID situation hit um, with a Jock Peterson, Ross Stripling move. Is that on the table still? Is there is there a move coming out of the Dodgers because they've been radio silent all week here? Probably, probably. I think they have a lot of good young starters in that rotation, but I'm not sure they're convinced that they're the kind of guy, the kind of players that, you know, make them feel like they're, they can dominate in the postseason. You know, we've seen pitching dominate in the postseason. They have great pitching, but you know, maybe stripling, maybe Tony Gonsolin, Dustin may, you know, Urias, maybe those guys aren't, the starter they need the postseason type starter they need that's my feeling on it and that they are looking at like a Lance Lynn or something like that I know I keep bringing up Lance Lynn with every team but yeah Mike Minor Lance Lynn right yep right yeah so I, I could see them adding I could definitely see them I, I definitely think they will add a, a starting you know top end row, uh, rotation pitcher um and that's not to discount any of the guys I just named. I just think they're not ready to take off six innings in a postseason situation. You know, Dave Roberts has been pulling the plug on those guys after 70 pitches or, or less sometimes. So, um, yeah, I think they're definitely going to be in on a pitcher. Yeah, I wonder. I'm against you here on this one. 
I think everything you just said is is for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at Dustin May's stats right now, and it looks like he's been hidden a closet for the entire 2020 season. You know what I mean? Like he's, I, I think it's on purpose, Dan. I think they're instead of adding a starter, they're just going to increase the usability of the roster they have. I know they've had some injuries in Bueller and things like that. And I think this is a team that has been, you know how LeBron basically does this in, in the NBA. <laughs> you know, he treats the, the regular season like, you know, every fifth, every fifth game, he kind of actually tries. And then when it gets to, gets go time and closer to the playoffs, he really ramps it up. I have a feeling this is exactly what the Dodgers have been doing. They've been kind of toying with the rest of the league and they're 26 and 10 basically without even trying. Now, the only thing that would that would force me off that opinion would be the Padres. If the Padres make two moves today to get significantly better and 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 changes the ability for the Dodgers to win that division, then they may have to make a drastic change like you're talking about a starting pitching shakeup. But I, I think they've been playing 75% this entire season and they're and they're going to turn on the Jets whenever they need to. It's a fair point. I just watching the young starters there all year. I mean, they have a dynamite bullpen also. Yes. So that's part of the reason those guys don't have long leashes. But in again, not to project injuries or anything, but we've seen Clayton Kershaw have back injuries late, <laughs> late. You know, it's not a typical season, but later in the season, if you remove him from this starting rotation and it's Walker Bueller and those other young guys. I mean, granted, again, I love those guys long-term. I just don't know if they're ready to give you five to six solid innings in the postseason situation. So that's where I say, I, I feel like those guys might need another year before they're really relied on in that rotation to the point where they fill that this year with a mm-hmm. rental type starting pitcher, but I, your points are all valid. It makes sense. Dave Roberts has always played this game with pitchers. I mean, you know, you're right. Tom Maeda last year, uh, Ryu, who went to Toronto, they they all had these like innings limit games played with them. And now they go elsewhere and we kind of see what they can do where they maybe should have been unleashed a little bit more, but that's a different point. So I like it. Anyone else I'm missing here? Uh, I know the Starling Marte is on the block a little bit, maybe Anderson Simmons, a couple of those middle infielders we've talked about. Uh, Jonathan VR, those kind of players, I, you know, not going to move the needle too much. I, I guess the, the team to finish on here is Boston, right? We've talked about them the last time you're on the show and how they really are breaking it down. It's a brand new GM looking at this book here. He didn't sign Jackie Bradley. He didn't sign Bogarts or Martinez. You know what I mean? These are not his players. So he's a, I think he's more apt to be reckless with them a little bit. I, I don't know who takes on Martinez's option or Bogart's long-term salary right now, especially at this kind of unique deadline. Do you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. Yes, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, Boston has a ton of money. I'm not going to sit here and write checks for them, but at this, if they really want to get out of those contracts and it requires them hanging on to some of that money in order to get prospects or good players in return, I could see that being an option. I mainly say that because of, the Moreland deal and the workman deal. I mean, they got, they got nice returns on that considering the circumstances in my opinion. So um, they seem aggressive to kind of turn this over and, and I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Quick answer. If Clevenger goes to the Yankees, that's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even know how to react. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I think it would be good for their rotation. And I think the Yankees, I think the Yankees have good young players, but I mean, 
if it's going to be like a Clint Frazier yes. package. Miguel you know Andujar. I mean? like yes. Not ex- yeah. And Andujar, I mean, good bat, but like, is can't play really third. A need here. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where are you? They need, they need an outfield bat yeah. badly. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's why I say Clint Frazier, they have some other, you know, young guys that it seems like they don't want to part with, but, um, you never know, but it is a nice farm system to be dealing with. That's why there's really, that's, that's always, you and I have talked about this offline, not to go totally sideways here, but the Lindor sweepstakes or the Mookie Betts sweepstakes, yeah. only certain teams have the prospect capital to make those moves years out, you know, two years out to, for what the Indians would want to return for Lindor. There's only certain certain organizations that have really what they would want, in my opinion. So that, that's why you're almost limited right off the start there. And to the Clevenger point, the Yankees are an organization, I think, that has tons of assets that would be uh, great for them to to try and match up with, despite my disdain for the Yankees. <laughs> Fair enough. Good stuff, Dan. <laughs> thanks for joining the show. Uh, all right. Thanks for having me. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Get yourself into a Dynasty Fantasy League today. DynastyOwner.com. And of course, Hit Parade. Check out the mystery memorabilia box. Throw $100 at dacardworld.com and get yourself a chance at an unbelievable autographed item. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.